0: Good morning. Oh, man. I was telling Heather, I said, man, you know, I'm glad that they don't do me like I, I, I did <laughs> at Life Church, where Pastor Kevin wouldn't be there, and we'd get there and we'd see he wasn't there, and I'd say, man, Pastor Kevin ain't preaching today. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. God is faithful. He is. Amen got a couple of my buddies here byron and my buddy dan oh man they both love the lord praise god and uh excited for them to be here amen 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 all right let's see we're going to start off in mark chapter 4 starting with uh verse 14 but before we even do that i'm gonna go ahead and pray lord jesus i thank you for this opportunity i thank you lord god that You give revelation and wisdom and insight into your word, Lord God. I thank you that you give me the ability to speak it, and I pray over all of us, Lord God, that we would all have hearts to receive and ears that hear, Lord God. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would have your way in service today, Lord God, and that none of me would get in this, but that all of you would be in it that you would just guide and direct us as we go through this service. We thank you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Mark asked me this morning, I mean yesterday, uh, if I had a title for the message, and I had no title. (laughs) So as we go, I believe the title will develop, but amen, because God is faithful. So Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 14 the sower soweth the word, and these are they that fell by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts." As I was reading that this morning, I was thinking, you know, the devil's really not concerned about your house. He's really not concerned about your vehicle. He's really not even concerned about your family. When he attacks those things, he's trying to do one thing, and that's to steal the word that was sown into your heart. These are the way that he comes against us to try to steal that word. But he's only interested in one thing, because if he can capture the word that was sown into your heart, he can get everything else. The word is what's going to stop him. The word is what's going to empower you to become more than just your circumstances. The word is what's going to cause you to walk through life in victory. I'm not saying that you'll never have problems, but the word, you'll never focus on those problems. Your focus and your attention will always be set on the word. Amen. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 21 says, Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. I looked up that word save in the Greek. It means the actual pronunciation of it is sozo. It says to save, deliver, protect, literally or figuratively heal, preserve, to make whole. So James is saying receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, save, and make you whole. I'm going to be in 2 Peter for a little while, so if you want to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Praise the Lord. God is good, ain't He? He is. I've been up since... uh. <laughs> Well, two thirty, three o'clock here, and uh, I was pretty much done preparing for this message all morning, so I was telling Mark when he called me to pray for me, he said, uh, I told him, I just got to spend about two or three hours in the Word, praise God, and uh, just saturated in it. And I tell you, it, it really does make all the difference. It does. All right, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our savior, Jesus Christ. As I read that my eyes automatically fell on like precious faith. And as I was looking at that, I was like, well, like precious faith. So I looked it up. It actually means of equal value and honor. And I was thinking, wow. We have the same faith that Peter had? He was saying to these people that your faith is equal with mine? And I started thinking, of course we do. The same Jesus that died for Peter died for you. The same faith that was given to Peter when he put his trust in Christ was also given to you when you put your trust in Christ. It's not about getting more faith It's about using the faith that we already possess. Amen. Let's move on to verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And I was in my hotel and I was studying and it was on a Thursday and Byron called me and I said, I said, why does it say, according as his divine power has given us all things? It's saying that his power gave us all things. And I asked Byron, I said, is that, is that power? Is that talking about the word or the Holy Spirit? And Byron said, I think that's talking about the Holy Spirit. So uh, <laughs> when he said that, I let him go and I looked up that word power and that power is actually dunamis. It's miraculous, wonder-working power. When I seen that, I was reminded of a verse that's in Ephesians, it's chapter 3, verse 20, and it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask, think, or can even comprehend, according to the power that works in us. That same word power is dunamis. That's the miraculous power of God that was given to us. Amen. And as you guys heard me say before, we don't have a part of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The Bible says that we have the fullness of the Godhead body dwelling in us. That's the fullness of God. That's the same Holy Spirit that Jesus himself was filled with. It's not a different Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't take that Holy Spirit to heaven with him. He didn't. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, on the earth. We have the same Holy Spirit. The Bible says no one can even come unto God unless the Spirit of God draws him. That's the Holy Spirit. And we all came to God through that same Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the power of God that lives and resides inside of us. And that Holy Spirit That power of God, it coexists with the word of God and comes from the word of God. We're going to keep reading. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, it says his power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, but then it says through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And when I seen that through the knowledge, I was thinking, how does that come through knowledge? And as I was thinking about it, you cannot have faith for salvation unless you know it's God's will for you to be saved. You can't have faith for healing unless you know that it's God's will to heal you. You can't have faith for prosperity or any other thing that God promises you unless you know it's God's will. So we have been given all things by the power of God, but it comes through knowledge. we're going to pick it up in verse four, whereby, as I read that I had to go look it up because I don't use that when I'm describing something. So whereby, when I looked it up in the Greek, it says a primary preposition denoting the channel of an act. So knowledge is the channel that allows us to take part in promises, exceeding great and precious promises that by these, by what? By these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, which is God's nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So now you understand why Satan is trying to take the word once it's sown. Because the word and knowledge of the word is what gives you that dunamis power, that miraculous, mighty power of God if you don't access the Word of God when you have a trial or a temptation coming against you, most trials and temptations are bigger than us, but I can tell you, they're not bigger than God. We're gonna pick it up in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse three. Thank you, Lord. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Did you see that? Bringing into captivity, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In order to bring a thought into the obedience of Christ, you have to know what is the obedience of Christ. (laughs) If you don't know what is the obedience of Christ, you can't bring a thought captive to it. And I can tell you that there is so much power in verses like these. Heather struggled with anxiety most of her life, and early in, in our marriage, it would show itself. But when she was pregnant with faith, it tried consuming her life, so much so that she had to get on anti-anxiety medicine. But do you know that even while she was on the medicine, there wasn't a day that went by, she had verses, a notebook of verses, that she went through verse upon verse upon verse. What was she doing? She was bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And there came a day over probably, what, a six, seven-month span of being on anti-anxiety medicine and, and not wanting to be alone. When I would go on my overnighters, her, her sister would come and stay with her. She didn't want to use the bathrooms by herself. There came a day where she walked right out of it. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That right there tells you that there will be weapons that are going to be formed against you. But you have the written word of God, God speaking his word to you, saying that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And the Apostle Paul is telling us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because if you take the thought captive, when the devil comes and tries sowing something in your life, if you take it captive to the obedience of Christ, you stop it before it can even begin. But if you don't take it captive, and if you don't know what is the obedience of Christ, then a stronghold forms in your life. So instead of stopping it, you embrace it. You believe that this is who you are. I remember I used to get so angry at Heather early in our marriage and my mom said, what's wrong with you? Why do you get so angry all the time? I said, I don't know, that's who I am. That's what I, that's what I told her. I said, that's who I am. There's stuff that just triggers me and I get mad. Well, I found out through the word of God because I had very little knowledge there that that's not who I was made to be. That's what changes us. It's the engrafted word which James said is able to save your soul. Amen. Amen. So Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. So I ask myself, what is the weapons and how do we use them? If they're not carnal. So, as soon as I ask myself that... I would say myself, but I believe it was prompted by the Holy Spirit, reminded me of the armor of God. So I turned over to Ephesians chapter 6. You guys can turn there. We're going to start in verse 10. Do a little bit of reading here. About eight verses. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's telling you to put on the whole armor of God, and this is not your armor. This is the very armor that God armors himself with when he's ready to go to battle. This is the armor of God. It's not the armor of man. And the Apostle Paul is saying to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the devil when he tries to come against you. For, and then he goes on to say, which Paul said in Corinthians, it lines itself right up. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, I looked up that word, that word is not dunamis, praise God. (laughs) It's lower than the power of God, (laughs) amen. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. You hear people say, Man, brother, I'm doing everything I can. And the Apostle Paul is saying, you're standing? Keep standing. Keep standing. With the whole armor of God on. (laughs) Because you ain't going to be able to stand on your own. (laughs) We need something more than ourselves. Amen. Stand therefore having your loins So we have access to the same armor that God himself has, the armor of God. But when he says your loins gird about with truth, I'm like, what in the world is loins? A pork loin? Are we eating later? I mean, you know what? What's going on? <laughs> I looked that up. It actually means your hips. So, <laughs> But he says gird about with truth, and there's something that we do when we weight lift. If, you, if you're weight training with any heavy weight, You have a back brace, and that back brace goes around your whole back and your whole hip area. And that back brace allows you to be supported under weight, which you normally wouldn't be able to. It stabilizes you. So when he's telling you to put the belt of truth around your hips, that truth will stabilize you in life. You see a lot of Christians who, who are walking around with a limp in their Christian life because they don't know the truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free. The truth will make you walk right. Amen. The truth will hold you up under more power than what you yourself can hold up. So he's saying, gird your loins about with truth. <laughs> Amen. All right, then he says, number two, the, the breastplate of righteousness... The breastplate of righteousness was something that would be covering your chest. And I was reminded of the scriptures that says, Guard your heart, for out of it comes the issues of life. We have to guard ourselves. We have to guard our hearts, what we let in there. But more importantly than that, it's the breastplate of righteousness, which is knowing your position in God. That you have been made the righteousness of God in the earth. That you are the expressed image of God now. Not when you die and go to heaven, but right now you are. Amen. Then he says, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I tried understanding that. It literally means shod means to put on shoes. When I looked it up in the Greek. So he's saying... Put this on, the gospel of peace. You're supposed to be walking in that peace that the gospel brings. That's the preparation of the gospel of peace. But then he says, above all, above all what? Above everything he just mentioned, taking the shield of faith. But then he says, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. So the apostle Paul was going through this list, and he gets down to here, number four, and he says, above all these, take up the shield of faith because you'll be able to quench all of them. Not some of them, not if, if he goes low and you go high, you're out, or you go low, he goes high, you're going to get hit. He says, no, it will quench all of them. The fifth, the helmet of salvation, a helmet guards your mind. What's in there? Your brain. It's your thought process. It's the helmet of salvation. We're supposed to see everything through the lens of salvation. That's the finished work of the cross. And then he says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, why does Satan come to steal the Word? Because once you pick that sword up, you can do battle not just for you, for your family, for your friends, for the people you love. They don't have to die and go to hell now because they got you in their life. And when you're trained in the word, when God trains you with that sword, a samurai ain't got nothing on you. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Amen. Rightly dividing the word. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 for the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. You remember when I said that this is the armor of God? When God arms His this is the armor He puts on? You remember I said that? This is the armor of God? Listen to what Jesus uses you gotta listen to it. It's in Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars. We know that's seven churches. And out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shining in its strength. That's the word of God. When God judges, The devil and every other person that rejected him, he's not going to judge them on anything else but his word. Do you know the word of God is our inheritance? It's been preserved and passed down from generation to generation unto all the way to where it reached us, to where it impacted our lives, to where the engrafted word actually has saved our souls. I can testify of it. When I came to the Lord, nobody told me to do this. It had to be the Holy Spirit, because I thought, I believed the word of God. I was very ignorant though. (laughs) The Bible says zeal without knowledge is not good, neither to be too hasty and miss the way. Well, I missed it a few times, but uh, it came back around. (laughs) But I took 31 scriptures of everything I dealt with, that dealt with everything from anger to lust to anything that I personally dealt with. And me and Heather, before I worked at a place called DeLongs, before I would leave to work, I would get up early, and we would go over those scriptures, verse and scripture. And then once, once I knew them by verse and scripture, then she would say the, the verse number, and I would quote it the scripture. The next day, we would switch it up. But I got to the point where I memorized all 31 of those verses. And every time those thoughts would come into my mind, I replaced them with those verses. It didn't happen right away, but the period over, probably about three or four months that I did that, all those things were broken off me. You know that? Consistent. I was consistent. I brought every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, it takes diligence. You can't be just lazy and do it. It takes digging into the word. If you want freedom, there's freedom for you. That's what Peter was saying, whereby are given unto us great and precious promises that why by these, by these promises that we actually take on the, the divine nature, which is the nature of God, and escape the corruption that is in the world. By these promises, you're telling me by these promises, we can escape corruption? Oh, yeah. We can do a lot more than that. We can help other people escape. (laughs) Amen. That's how it was in my family. My uncle got saved. uh, My mom got saved. And she used to preach to me so much. Oh, my. I would go to visit her, and she'd spend about two hours preaching to me. It got to the point where I said, I'm not coming over here. no. I didn't come over here to hear about Jesus. I didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. You know? I didn't come over here so you could preach to me. They lived out in a place called Delton in Michigan, and uh, I didn't. I stopped coming over there, but uh, she gave me a Bible, and I had it on my desk, and I was living out with my brother in Illinois, and my mom came out there, and uh, she, uh, me and my brother got into it, so I ended up moving in with my mom. She moved to Beloit. One day, my dad was going to Liberty Christian, the church me and Mark came from, and she said she wasn't feeling good, and our bedrooms were apart from each other, and She asked me, she said, "Uh, you want to read the Bible? And I had that Bible since I was 15. She gave it to me, I just never got rid of it. And I said, yeah, I'll read it with you. What do you want to read? She said, in the New Testament. I said, well, where's the New Testament? (laughs) 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 I didn't know the difference. And uh, I I found the book of Matthew, which she said. And we started reading in Matthew. I'd read a chapter, she'd read a chapter. And uh, we got to chapter 10 and my stepdad came home. I remember this like it was yesterday. It's fresh in my mind, even though it was 12 years ago. And she got up. You know, I didn't move till I was done with the book of Mark. I read all of Matthew and Mark. And then a couple weeks later, I met a man named Mark Testerman. Came over and uh, prayed with me, talked to me about some stuff, and uh, used to come and play basketball with me. Just that life on life fellowship, you know. He was a full-time pastor at that time. It was just a season. It was a season. Twelve years later, I'm here now. I got uh, three beautiful kids, a loving wife, and it's all by the grace of God. But it's all through his word. And God is no respecter of persons. If he can change somebody like me, somebody like you, he can do it for anybody. None of us are any more special than one another. We're all made in his image and in his likeness. The more word you get in your life, the more of his word you get in your life, the more free you will be. Because the Bible says, who the Son sets free, the Son being Jesus, is free indeed. And the Bible also says that Jesus was the word made flesh and came and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. I beheld his glory. I'm pretty sure you have too. The only begotten of the Son. Full of glory and full of grace. That's what the Bible says. Amen. We'll close with that. You got anything to say, Mark? <laughs> you want to preach another message? <laughs> Amen. Well, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to speak your word. Lord God, I ask you that as we leave here, Lord God, that just your power and your anointing would go with us, that the spirit of joy would be manifested in our lives, Lord God. And I just thank you, Father. I ask you to bless these people, bless this ministry, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you've already seen to all our needs, Lord God. We just ask you for guidance for our future, Lord Jesus, and direction. That you'd make it very plain and very clear to us, Lord God. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.